Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers and to mother figures uh, all over the place. And it's a joy to have you engaging with us. Uh, perhaps your mother or mother figure is uh, no longer on the planet. And so I just want to take a few moments and remember all of the mothers who have slipped from time to eternity. I challenge and encourage you to just whisper their name. I'm going to have a moment of silence. Whisper their name or say it out loud in the same way that I'm going to, I'm going to name three mother figures that were impactful for me. Let's start. Joanne Hamilton. Ola Batchyberry, Mercy D. Williams, Lord God, I pray for uh, uh, mothers everywhere, and I especially pray for those who are grieving the loss of their moms right now today. Would you speak a word of peace and comfort to them? Would you speak a word of healing as they remember with great fondness their moms? I pray for mothers in every walk of life today. I pray for birth moms and foster moms and adopted moms. I pray for grandmothers who are raising the next generation, their second generation of kids. I, I pray for aunts and older sisters, and I pray for teachers and coaches and female mentors, all playing the role, the powerful role of indispensable mother figures. Would you bless this day to be a day of inspiration and encouragement to them? Even this week, Lord, let it be a day and a week of refocusing and re-energizing for the journey that's ahead. And then lastly, Lord, but certainly not least, I pray for those mothers who are on the other side of broken life. Those who are trapped by abuse and addiction and imprisonment and all manner of dysfunction that threatens to steal their, their lives. God, I pray for hope to rise up where there is hopelessness. I pray for light to shine in the darkness. I pray for deliverance and salvation to be released all over the place. That you set mothers free. Now bless this teaching. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. One quick announcement I want to make just before we get started. I'm going to do this message really in a two-part focus. Uh, Today I'm going to really talk about and celebrate moms and the things that make some of the attributes that make mothers uh, unique and indispensable. But next week, I'm going to, I think I've, God has given me a, a, a powerful word for women. And so listen, moms, uh, here's the deal. Tell everybody that, uh, that loves you that your Mother Day celebration starts today, but it's going to go the entire week. This is Mother's Day celebration week. <laughs> and, and that it's going to culminate next weekend, part two of this uh, teaching. And, uh, and make sure that they're around some screen uh, because uh, I've got a powerful word for women. But I also have a word about women that I think is going to help all of us uh, as we live through a time when relationships between men and women have been so broken. And there's so much distrust and, um, and, uh, and all kinds of other stuff. So make sure you engage with us uh, next weekend. Don't miss it. Our scripture reading today comes from uh, Acts chapter 12, just two verses, verses 11 and 12. And it's about, it starts off talking about Peter, the first pastor of the early church. Here's what it says. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, Peter said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary. 
the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And there is the reading. Let me start by really making two big uh, categories of points. The first is, I just want to simply label uh, the indispensable lesson of taught by mom. And uh, it's a good way for me to review just for a second part of the teaching that I did last weekend, if you were with us, about repentance as a, as a relationship tool to facilitate intimacy between us and God and between us and those that we love. After that teaching, I realized that if, if I added up all of the instruction and discipline that my grand-aunt and grand-uncle tried to pour into my life uh, as I was growing up, probably 60% of it fell in the category of the three points that I was trying to teach you last week as it relates to effective, the work of effective repentance uh, as a tool to strengthen your relationships. And let me just take you through them right quickly. Uh, the first is, I said that if you're going to repent in a way that's going to bring intimacy between you and those that you love, whether they're your teenagers or your mom or your significant other, etc., that you have to own your stuff. In plain words, that means you have to be able to say, I was wrong. It's my fault. Practice that with me, would you? Would you just say it with me? Just say, I was wrong. Can you say, it's my fault? Just say it. Now, if it felt strange or foreign for you to say those words... You should ask yourself why. Problem is you haven't said them in a long, long time. There could be the beginning of your growth moment. Secondly, I said you need to be able to apologize about how you've caused pain. In simple terms, you need to be able to say, I'm sorry. But not just simply, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry for how what I said or what I did caused you pain. You got to be specific about where the pain is and how it connects to your being sorry. It makes saying I'm sorry meaningful. I want you to try that with me. Just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for causing you pain. Say that. Excellent. And then lastly, you make a commitment that says, uh, I want to adopt a new behavior, a new pattern of behavior, new way of talking or doing, and I'm going to need some accountability and grace. In other words, accountability, which means I give you permission to remind me when I forget, and grace, I'm going to need a little space to turn uh, and transform uh, an old habit into a new pattern. And so, if you practice this, it, it means warmth and affection and closeness with those that you love, including between you and God. If you don't practice this, it, it probably means the, the reverse, coldness, uh, bitterness, and distance between you and those that you love and you and God. So, if I had a name, a life-shaping insight that my grand-aunt poured into my life, it would be that teaching right there. So here's your homework. What's a life-shaping insight that your mom has poured into your life? And if she's still alive, I want you to identify what it is, and I want you to call her up and to say, hey, mom, here's a life-shaping insight that you poured into my life and it has made all of the difference. And say thank you. Now, let's turn to our text. Let me give you the context for uh, this teaching today. Uh, the early Jesus followers were proclaiming all over Jerusalem and beyond Judea and Samaria that uh, Jesus had been risen from the dead, that God had made him Lord and Messiah. 
It caused a stir among the Jewish leadership, partly because they thought it was blasphemous, partly because it was a threat. Because in the meantime, thousands of people were joining the church from everywhere, becoming a part of this Christian community, empowered by this Holy Spirit that wants to do greater things in all of our lives. And so persecution broke out. And what I like about the early church is they don't try to hide the fact that Jesus' followers suffer just like everybody else. In that day, persecution was the persecution of violence that swept across the Christian community. Today, it's, the pers- it's the, 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 what's sweeping across our community uh, is really the violence of a virus. In either case, uh, people are dying. People that we know and love, and among them are Jesus followers. We're in this thing together. And so, uh, King Herod, uh, who was really uh, kind of a political puppet for the Roman Empire, arrested uh, John, the brother of James, and, uh, excuse me, arrested James, the brother of John, and had him kill the Jews appreciated that, and so he arrested Peter and was about to do the same thing, put him in a maximum secure prison. In the meantime, the people gather at Mary's house, and I'll talk about her in a minute. They're praying, and a miracle takes place, and Peter is rescued from imprisonment, and he finds himself headed to Mary's house to tell them that their prayers have been answered. Now, that's the context for this passage. And in this one verse, we find a woman who's named Mary. Now, listen, in the Bible, there are, in the New Testament, there are five Marys. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene. There's Mary, the wife uh, of Cleophas. And then there's Mary of Rome, which Paul refers to in chapter 16 of uh, the book of Rome, of Romans. And then there is the Mary in this text, who is the mother of John Marx. Towards the end of this message, I'm going to tell you who John Mark is. And yet, in this one verse, we learn a lot about Mary that highlights some of the most incredible attributes that we should be celebrating uh, as we think about the moms and mother figures in our lives today. The first thing that we learn as we, as we look at verse 12 is that Peter went to Mary's house. This tells us, and scholars are pretty much in agreement here, that the fact that it was called Mary's house, or the home of Mary, probably suggests that she's a widow, that her husband has died. And and we don't know how long the husband has been dead. It's a good chance that she was both a widow and a single mom, having to raise John Marks, at least through his teenage years, by herself. This means that Mary knows what it's like to have massive loss in her life. And rather than allowing massive loss to leave her locked down and bittered, filled with bitterness, Mary finds the capacity through faith to rise up. Now, I particularly like this uh, Mary and uh, as she's described in this verse because she reminds me a lot of my grand aunt. My grand aunt used to share with me the massive loss that she had over the span of her life. Her oldest brother was killed. Her younger brother went swimming and caught cramps and drowned. Her younger sister was driving the car behind a log truck and the log slipped off the truck, came through the windshield, killed her beloved sister. 
Her, her mom died. Her beloved mom died. And, and my grandma carried all of this loss. And yet, what I saw in my grandaunt was this incredible resilience. She carried the loss of her first marriage. She ended up being married to someone who was physically abusive. And she exited that relationship. And she found the power through her faith to, to rise up, marry a second husband who was the opposite to the first, acquire her own property, and move forward. So when I think about Mary, the mother of John Marks, think about my own grandaunt, uh, together, in a way, they pay tribute to the incredible resilience of our mothers. And today, you ought to just take a moment and thank your mom for being resilient. Resilient. How many of our moms, both far and near, has had to rise up again and again after life knocks them down, after grief knocks them down, after abuse and addiction and violence knocks them down, poverty knocks them down, and yet they get up again and again and again. So today on this Mother's Day, we say thank you for our moms, for teaching us, modeling for us the incredible power of resilience how to get up and life knocks you down. The second insight that comes uh, from this incredible Mary that's depicted here in this one verse, we're told that, she, uh, that there were many people gathered in her house for prayer. That means she had a large house. Scholars think that this is the same house where 120 people were reported to have gathered in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 15, uh, to start that, those early prayer meetings that ultimately brought the power of the Holy Spirit to that same house. It's a large house. We know in addition to that, there was at least one servant. Her name was Rhoda. The very next verse, it says that Rhoda went to the door when Peter knocked. And so she had a large house. She had a servant. So this was a woman of great means, great wealth, that she had the final say over her property and the final say over her fiscal affairs. And it is a reminder for us on Mother's Day that we celebrate uh, the ingeniousness of mothers who are able to take little and make much. Again, I think about my grand-aunt. Do you know that she made only $35 a week uh, working as a, as a maid for a local uh, family in our town for over 30-some years? $35 a week. My grand-uncle made $50 a week, and I remember when he went from $50 to $100 a week pastoring four churches, a different church each week in that month. And I remember him at payday, at the end of each week, taking his cash, taking out his spending change, and pushing the rest to my grand-aunt. She would manage it. And do you know, uh, uh, the church was supported, money went into savings, uh, and while I didn't have everything I wanted, I didn't, I didn't have all the pop-tops I wanted, all the orange juice I wanted, but I never missed a meal. I, I all, never had, I didn't have the name brand labels on my pants, but I always had clean clothes and clean tennis shoes to wear. Uh, she made sure that I had what I needed. She did much with little. So John Mark's mom is a tribute to those women who are managing small budgets in their home, to women who are building up companies from the ground, to those women who are principals and teachers and changing the odds in urban schools and raising the scores uh, against all kinds of challenges. It's this incredible ingeniousness uh, 
that we see in our mothers that we want to celebrate today. You want to say thank you to your mom as she's available. Thank you, mom, for all the ways that your ingeniousness impacted life and impacted our lives. And thirdly, of course, uh, we see in Mary courage. It's easy to spot the courage in this particular text because this text is surrounded by persecution. They've killed James. Peter has been arrested. Persecution has broken out uh, across the city of Jerusalem and beyond. And when Peter gets out, he knows exactly where to go because the Christian community has been gathering and meeting in this house regularly and regularly. He knew they would be there. Where? At Mary's house. And just like he knew it, so did the Roman authorities. And yet Mary did not mind risking her property, her status, She did not mind risking her life because she'd put her full faith in the one who had died and conquered death, that one called Jesus. And he had the final word over her life. And so out of a place of conviction, she exercised courage. Right in the middle of this pandemic, we see mothers doing that every day. Just think of the mothers who are doctors and nurses and lab tech who go to work not just for a paycheck but to make a difference. Just think about the mothers who drive in police cars and, and who are on fire trucks and, and, and who are showing up in emergency ambulances. Just think about the mothers, if you will, who are cashiers or who stock the aisles or who, plant, who, who pick our fruit and our vegetables not just to put food on their table, but to put food on all of our table in the midst of a dangerous time. Can somebody say courage? So today you want to take a moment and you want to thank God and thank your mom as she's still around or your mother figure for the courage that she has demonstrated in your life. And then lastly, of course, uh, there is the power of Mary's faith in this text. Uh, The the scripture says that all these people had gathered and that they were praying. And I like how the scripture is just honest about the ambiguity and the mystery that comes with faith. On the one hand, it starts off by saying that James has been arrested and killed. On the other hand, it says Peter, who was sent to that same prison, God delivers him. It makes no bones about the confusion that the early believers must have. I'm sure they had some questions about why did you not rescue James, but you rescued Peter. Or let's put it another way, despite the grief in their heart about the loss of James, they still had enough faith to begin to pray that God would rescue Peter. Here's the point. They teach us, never allow what you don't know about God to undermine what you do know about God. Just because God didn't deliver James didn't mean that he didn't have the power to deliver Peter. So he could see them gathered in the house and God, in the midst of all of the mystery that surrounds us, we still know that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, would you deliver Peter? And a knock comes on the door. And it's Peter. The other day I posted on my Facebook a... Uh, a word, just late night, and a word dropped in my spirit, and I just wrote on the Facebook page, prayer makes a difference. A young man the next day wrote this. He says, not to be rude, but prayers don't seem to make much of a difference when it comes to COVID-19. I responded, thank you for your honesty. You posted what I'm sure many people are thinking. 
Prayer does lots of things amidst tough circumstances, I wrote. It sustains us. It helps us to maintain our sanity, our serenity, and peace. It empowers us to act with love and kindness to those around us. And I believe prayer is at work right now, inspiring scientists in their research, moving companies and volunteers to mobilize the production of masks and PPC and provide food for doctors and nurses on the front lines. And then I wrote, prayer doesn't solve every difficulty, nor wipe out every challenge, but prayer does make a difference. You see, Mary was a woman of wealth, but she knew as she told her son, John Marks, about faith, that there would come moments in his life that money would not be the answer. Check this out. We're all surrounded by coronavirus, right? And we're all sheltered in place, the rich and the poor. She was a woman of great status, and I'm sure she saw the John Marks being educated. I'll tell you why in just a moment. And yes, she knew that there was moments, there would be moments when education would not have an answer for the challenge that would be facing John Marks. And surely that is our situation today, with all of the great minds were struggling to find an answer. And she knew that in those moments, the one thing that you could count on would be prayer. The prayer would empower. Prayer would transform. Prayer would make the difference as John Marks prayed to a God who had the last word over life itself. That's what my grandad taught me. Trust Jesus with your life and learn how to lean in when there are no answers nowhere else. Faith. Now let me just close here. Who is John Marks? That's the question that You'd want to ask this, this son that was raised by this widow mom. Well, John Marks uh, is, uh, Peter calls John Marks the, uh, his own son. He's meaning his spiritual son. Paul got into a little uh, frustrating moment with John Marks early on in the career. But, but at the end of Paul's life, he asked Timothy, bring Bring John Marks with you because I have use for him. I have a need for him. He can be a blessing to my life as John Marks continued to mature. Here's what tradition teaches us about John Marks. That not only was he Peter's spiritual son, but we believe that when Peter ended up in Rome, that John Marks was there. And John Marks took down the eyewitness account that Peter experienced walking along with Jesus for three and a half years and turned that into the gospel of Mark. And Mark, although Matthew is listed first, the gospel of Mark is really the oldest of all the gospels. It's the first account. At the end of the day, Mary's life delivered her son to Jesus. Now listen, here's what I want to close with. Get this. Oh, let me make this point. John Mark's becomes Mary's legacy. That the story of Mary's life, which is contained in this one verse, is actually uh, continued as John Mark's life writes the next chapter in Mary's story. He's a legacy. And so while we never read about Mary, uh, uh, his mother, nowhere in the Gospel of Mark, the fact of the matter is, it's her fingerprints, it's the shaping of her life on his that in fact is, is, is a part of every word, every sentence, every paragraph in the Gospel. 
through which we have encountered Jesus. Now, here's the point I want to make as I close. Some of you, you're thinking about your mothers, and you're thinking about it from the rough end of times. You know, you're saying she's, uh, you know, she was abusive, she was addictive. You're thinking about all the stuff she was in and out of prison. You're thinking about all the broken parts. You're saying, I don't really feel good on Mother's Day. And here's what I want you to get. The one decision that she made that was incredibly life-giving was she gave you life. She decided to have the birth you through her pain. And, and if you're listening to me in some remarkable way, all of that has kind of brought you to the hands of, of Jesus, who is the great redeemer. And then here's, here, here, if you don't remember anything else, get this point right here that I'm seeing. Your life is the next chapter to your mother's story. So let it be in your life that the places that was broken in, in her story, let it be healed in the chapter of your life. That the places that was crooked in her story, let them become straight in the chapter of your life. That, the, that the, the, where there was pain and a sense of loss and hopelessness in her story, let that be redeemed in the chapter of her life lived out by you. You're her legacy. And the best way to do that is to let the one that Mary trusted redeem your life. Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Happy Mother's Day. Would you please just put your hands out with me and if you would symbolize participating with me in prayer. Lord, right now I want to pray for those broken relationships that exist between adult kids and their parents, but their mothers in particular where it seems like there's no way to redeem those relationships. I'm asking that this message would contribute to bringing healing and redemption, even if the mom has gone on to eternity. Would you speak healing in those broken places? And secondly, Lord, I pray for all of us that we will all be inspired when we recognize that we're the next chapters to our mom's lives and that your redemption working out in us redeems her story. Would you do that? As we reach towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, let me invite you to take a next step. There's a connection card attached on the website as well as inside of the app. And so uh, if you go to the connection card, there's a section called Next Steps. And for some of you, the step towards redemption is really a step towards Jesus is the one allowing him to be Lord and Savior and Redeemer in your life. Uh, he's the one that can help straighten out the crooked places that started in your mother's story. And so you ought to just check this. Say, I want to follow. Today I make that decision. And then for the rest of you, I just want to challenge you that not only today, but over the course of this week, you'll find several ways to celebrate and pay tribute to the gift that your mom has been to you. And if you'll do that, just simply check yes under the response to the message and join me in it. Now, whatever you do, and celebrate the rest of this week, Mother's Day, and be sure to see me back here next weekend. All right? Because God wants to do greater things in all of us. See you next week. Happy Mother's Day again. I hope you guys enjoyed the Mother's Day celebration. Two really quick things. One, take a photo of the reflection questions that's on the screen. 
One has to do with a life-shaping lesson you've learned from your mom. The other has to do with those four characteristics I discussed in the message, how your life interfaces with those uh, characteristics as they flow out of your mom's life. The second, super important, uh, this coming Friday night, May 15th, 7 p.m. specific standard time, I'm hosting an event called COVID-19 and Our Mental Wellness, a panel discussion. I'm bringing together doctors, therapists, community leaders to discuss how this pandemic is affecting all of our mental health. How's it showing up in our kids' lives, our marriages, and for those of us who are living alone, how is it influencing suicide or domestic violence with specific emphasis on resources and steps that we can take towards health. So I hope to see you Friday night. All the information is on the screen in terms of your next steps. God bless you.